Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. Why does our attachment style matter? We're going to talk about that today with KJ and Jessica, who are both therapists and have their own podcast thoughts, um, thoughts on thoughts. Um, okay. I wanted to tell you guys who KJ and Jessica are, because I have a lot of respect for them. KJ is a licensed therapist and for most of her career, she has worked in a residential treatment with high or at-risk teens. She's now a stay-at-home mom and has a private practice where she mainly works with adult women who are working to heal trauma and insecure attachment styles. She started the podcast, podcast Thoughts on Thoughts with Jessica and Taylor, who's not here today, in 2018 to help people have more access to the things we talk about in therapy that we should... Um, that they feel should be common knowledge so that people can work on having healthier relationships. And you can find her over on thoughts.podcast on Instagram and KJ Reed um, on Instagram. I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Now, Jessica is um, also an LCSW who has worked with children and families who have experienced trauma. She works to help people heal from significant emotional, physical, and sexual abuse using various trauma modalities, along with attachment theory. Jessica hosts the podcast with uh, KJ and Taylor, and you can find her on the thoughts podcast. So I'm excited to have these ladies here. I recommend their attachment series podcast, um, all the time, because not only are they sharing information that again, we need as a population, everyone needs this information. Um, but you make it fun. So that's why you're here today. (laughs) Super fun. Yeah. Love it as it should be. Yes. Uh, it's kind of boring to just talk therapy. So we're going to just make it fun and which Mm -hmm. I know you guys can do. So what in the heck? is attachment cycle. What, what are we even talking about? Yes. (laughs) What is this thing? Okay. So, um, the attachment theory comes from like John Bowlby way back when, I mean, it's not even way back when, honestly, it's like, it was right after world war two. So it's really actually quite new in the grand scheme of the world. Right. But, um, attachment theory is basically the idea that we have the need to attach to people from birth immediately. And so you have, what happens is you either attach in a really great healthy way, or we can attach in a very, very negative way, or we can kind of be in a middle, like sometimes it's healthy, sometimes it's not right. And John Bowlby studied children and he saw that there were three main types of attachment, which now have continuously been studied and they have a million different names Um, everyone will have a different name, but what we are going to call them today is secure, anxious, and avoidant. Then there's a fourth style. (laughs) That's how I learned it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, and that's, it's a really nice, easy way to say it, right? Some of them are like ambivalent and whatever, but we're just going secure, anxious, avoidant. And then there's a fourth type, which is disorganized, which is when there's very severe trauma. Um, and that's someone who really has very little ability to connect to others in a safe way. So we don't need to talk about that as much just because it's such a small percentage of the population. Um, And those people honestly who have a disorganized attachment would not be listening to this podcast right now because it's just like a very, very intense kind of way of doing it. So let's talk about secure, anxious and avoidant and what they are. So I'll do like a secure cycle to teach you just like what the attachment cycle is. And then we can kind of talk about how anxious and avoidant deviate from that secure attachment. Let's push pause on that conversation because I want to give you a minute to go subscribe to my new podcast where men and women are following me on This Is Ashlyn. We're still talking recovery, but it's in a more digestible way. It's everyday life skills. All right, back to the show. 
secure is what we want. want. That's what we're aiming you want for. Want to be secure. You and should you, always be striving towards it. Yeah. How many of us are living in secure attachment? Like all of us? Yeah, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> none don't of us even need therapists <laughs> like none of us have ever experienced trauma in a relationship right no, like no. has anyone ever betrayed you no that doesn't happen no we've uh, all been there, betrayed yeah literally yeah. I mean I think a fair amount of us have secure attachment and a lot of us have secure attachment skills but yeah, the question is okay. do we have a secure attachment in our primary relationship and so that primary relationship is going to be like a parent if you are a child and then it's going to be like a romantic partner and then it can also be like with your best friend or you know whatever we will have an attachment style in every single relationship that we have and it can be, be different, different. Yeah, which I I love that because I remember learning about all of this and really working towards the secure and then finding myself being pulled when I would be around a certain yes. person and be like, I'm so frustrated. I thought I was working and then, oh, wait, yeah. I can, it's different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And the good news is if you can do secure with someone, you can do it with anyone, if that makes sense. So it's like, okay, I have this one friend who is super secure and I feel super safe in that relationship. And it's great. If I continue to work on those skills, I can translate that to maybe my romantic relationship where I'm with an avoidant and he's pulling me into this negative cycle, but I know what secure feels like. And so I'm going to kind of work towards that. You know, that's the beauty of secure is that, yeah, once you figure it out, you can do it everywhere. So it's always worth working towards, but it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have it everywhere. So many different relationships, right? Okay. So let's talk about like how the cycle works because it's very fascinating and you'll start to see like, oh, I'm doing this over and over again all day, right? So what happens is something comes up in life. You know, the easiest way to describe it is with a child who's hungry. So we're gonna do that because it's just very clear to see, right? So a child is hungry, that's the situation. What happens is their body has a response to that hunger. Oh my gosh, sorry guys, Jesus Louise. Apparently I did not turn off my phone. Okay, so we're doing what awesome. happens? Yeah, I know, right? Today's so great. So what happens is a child is hungry. So their body tells them, I am hungry. And then their mind will go through and interpret that need based on past experience, based on you know, just like natural innate, what we know, what we have learned. So they'll say to themselves, I am hungry. And then they have the choice of, I'm, I need to get this need met and they get to choose how they express that need. So a lot of kids will just say, I'm hungry. And they say that to their primary caregiver who is, you know, nine times out of 10, a parent. So we say to our parent, we have this reaction. Hey, I'm hungry. I feel it in my body. My stomach is rumbling. I am interpreting that based on earlier things. And I'm saying, okay, yes, I'm hungry. This is what it feels like. I need to tell someone. I go to my parent and I say, hey, mom, I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? And then my attachment figure has the opportunity to respond to me. So my parent can say, yeah, honey, there's a string cheese in the fridge. Go grab it. Or they might say, oh, actually dinner's in five minutes. Can you wait five minutes? And then we're going to eat. Or they might say, no, you can't eat right now. Or they might just ignore you. There's just a wide variety of responses that an, that an attachment figure can have, right? But a secure attachment figure is going to help you meet that need 74% of the time. I don't know why it is 74%. <laughs> we'll why it. are we not rounding up? <laughs> I don't know, but it gives you that extra 1% to mess up and everything (laughs) is still fine. So really like three out of four times to build a secure attachment, that attachment figure is saying, oh, I see that you're hungry and I am providing you with food. And that continues the cycle onto meeting the need, which then helps that child feel calm, feel relaxed. They have a full belly. They no longer have that grumbling they no longer have those emotional cues of I'm hungry and then the cycle continues and you just built more secure attachment right and it's this beautiful cycle that from 
the moment that a child is born should be going into effect over and over and over and over again, right? Okay. And sometimes things go wrong, shockingly. <laughs> so we don't always have attachment figures who respond to us. Um, and so you might have like childhood trauma from a parent who was inattentive to your needs or a parent who became angry when you had a need. And so it changes your attachment cycle and things get off kilter, I guess is the way to say it. And then it becomes, you will develop over time an anxious or an avoidant attachment style. So it's basically if instead of meeting your needs 74% of the time, the parent is not meeting your needs 74% of the time. And it basically goes one of two ways. And you can kind of understand this once you kind of like think about it for a second. You either say, I am going to do everything in my power to get my need met by having a huge, massive reaction and getting your attention and making you meet my need, or I'm going to learn needs are not safe and I'm going to shut those down and I'm going to suppress them and not tell anyone that I have the need. Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it will sound familiar, I'm sure, to many of you where it's like, (laughs) oh, yeah, I just shut all that stuff down. Or, oh, yeah, I get a little dramatic when I have a need, right? So the drama queen, king is an anxious attachment style. And then the I'm going to shut it down and have no feelings and needs. It's an avoidant attachment style. That That's my my rooted. Same. KJ, I was going to say, KJ is our resident avoidant as well. And it it's a great, you know, there's positives and negatives. <laughs> the beautiful thing about avoidant is that you guys are so independent. You can Super. take care of yourselves, which is wonderful. You just have to also learn to not always be independent because uh-huh. it turns out attachment makes the world go round and we do want to have healthy relationships, you know? This yes. is so true. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. Turns out. Right. So real quick, like what the attachment cycle would look like if you were anxious, we'll say, so anxious, I don't want you to think of anxiety. It doesn't have anything to do with anxiety aside from it's the same word, but it is kind of that it's like a frenzied feeling. That's what Mm -hmm. you'll get when someone has an anxious attachment because their fear is that you're going to leave them. And if they can just pull you in and pull you in and pull you in, you won't leave them because their deep root is I'm not lovable and people are not going to stay. And so they're going to do everything they can to pull you in. And so when someone who has an anxious attachment has a need triggered, they literally feel it like not literally a hundred times bigger than most people, but like it kind of seems like they do. (laughs) Like they are feeling those needs really intensely and they're gonna have an intense reaction to get those needs met. So it might be like, oh, I needed you to call me, but they're gonna come at you like, you never call me and I can't depend on you. And what kind of a relationship Mm -hmm. is this? And I need you to be there for me. And you're like- Like worst case scenario? Yes always catastrophizing, just waiting for the other person to leave. Right. Mm. And so they'll have a huge reaction and then they come to that attachment figure and they're like, fix it. And the attachment figure is like, this, like, this is overwhelming to me. I feel very flooded and I don't want to be dealing with all this nonsense. And so I'm going to like, you know, go to your room until you can ask nicely and then and the anxious detachment is in their room, just like, nobody loves me. And this is the worst thing ever, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah, they're catastrophizing <laughs> over and over again. And then no one's meeting their needs. So what happens is they have more anxious feelings, which just get pent up. And then they're released into the next drama cycle over and over and over again. And it is exhausting for the person who has the anxious attachment. And it's exhausting for the person who is the attachment figure with that anxious attachment you can kind of see it like if a kid is having a hard time they'll go anxious to get their needs met like they need extra love and attention and then you'll see it with adults too where they have something stressful happening and all of a sudden they're nitpicking to pick a fight with their partner it's like okay that's anxious attachment if you're trying to get attention through fighting that's anxious attachment right yeah okay so i have a question you said the deep-rooted belief Mm mm-hmm is exactly what usually turns out, it seems. So they're they're yeah. kind of 
self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, right? Yes, yes. Because it's this feeling of like, I'm unlovable. And so no one is going to stay. And I'm going to try and pull you in as much as I can. But when you inevitably leave because you get tired, because I've really pushed you to your limit, I'm going to be like, see, everybody leaves. I win again. And not realizing that like, you can, you need to work to calm down your own system so that you can actually attach and be sharing what your actual need is rather than this really huge storm of emotion. Mm. But really what you're saying is I'm lonely and I want you to be here with me. But instead what you're doing is you never do the dishes and I, you know, I can't be in this relationship (laughs) anymore, you know, exactly. And there's a lot of like threatening, like, well, then I'm just going to leave because Mm. you're hoping your partner says, no, please don't leave me. I need you here. And that's not like a fair way of responding. If you want reassurance, you can say, you know what? I'm feeling a little bit insecure right now. I, can you remind me that I, you love me and I'm important to you, you know, rather than, well, fine, then I'm just going to, we're just going to get divorced then. And I'm going to walk out of here. And they're like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Exactly. Where did that come from? I'll call you next time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. And so it really is like, for someone who has an anxious attachment style, it is learning to recognize when your partner is trying to connect with you because they'll often just like want to believe that they're not trying, but it's trying to be like, okay, I can see the good intentions and what they're saying. And then it's also working to calm down your system so that you are not having these intense reactions, but you're actually being able to communicate what's actually happening in your system, right? So you can be like, oh, I'm lonely, but being lonely doesn't mean that people are going to leave me. But I realize that like, I'm very afraid of this emotion, but maybe I don't need to be, maybe I can sit in it and it's okay. And then I can come to my partner and ask for help in an adult way. Right. That's the hope eventually. Yes. (laughs) Which I mean, the skill that you're saying right there is kind of a big deal, but most of us aren't taught how to sit with our feelings and what to do with them and how to find what some clarity through those mm-hmm. emotions. So, yeah. um, we do have a podcast called how to sit with your feelings, um, that you can go listen go. to as a follow-up. How Step about that? One. <laughs> yep. A hundred percent. Cause it really is like, yeah, you need to learn to sit in your own discomfort instead of pushing it onto your partner. That's yeah. a very anxious attachment thing to do oh. for sure. It's, it's yeah. the self-soothing in a healthy yes. way. <laughs> I know. Right. Exactly. We just need to shift. And so that's where like just straight, emotion regulation therapy skills really come into play, which is really nice. And it's, yeah, it's an easy fix. It takes a lot of time and effort, but it is like, it's a textbook fix. I should say like, you need to sit in your emotions. You need to learn healthy coping skills. It doesn't mean it's that easy in real life, but it is that easy to find the solution. Yeah. And, and I will say as the also resident avoidant KJ. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. That that skill goes both. I mean, it's in all of it, yeah, right? Both ways. Yes. So not oh, yeah. just so that they hear it's for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's not just yes, the anxious. Is. And I hope yeah. as you're listening to this, that you're maybe sitting here thinking like, where am I? Mm-hmm. Not just thinking of maybe your partner or your <laughs> yeah. child. Well, we, they are this. Yeah. We always do that. We read something. We're like, they should read this or they should yeah. listen to this. But yeah. what about you? Where are you in this? And, um, that's goes to my question. Mm-hmm. Why does it matter? What, why, why, why is this helpful information for us to understand our own attachment and those around us? Oh, this can be life-changing. <laughs> this can change right now. the game. Um, I think it's at the root of so many things. Like this is why I focus on this so much with my clients because, it's just the underlying factor in so many issues. Um, like we have the the five love languages, which is where I feel like a lot of people try to problem solve mm. the issues they're seeing, but they're not understanding that attachment is underneath all of it. Um, so that's why it's important because it can be the root of things, the root of the problem. And then if you work on healing it, problem solved, hopefully. I mean, it's a continuous process, but um, if it would be helpful, I can kind of go through each uh, attachment style more in depth and give you some Mm -hmm. examples 
um, so that people who are listening can hopefully identify like where they're at on the spectrum. Yes. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> so let's start with secure because that, I mean, that's like Jessica said, what we're all shooting for. So um, I'll give you some TV examples because I think that can be helpful. So an example of a secure relationship we see in Parks and Rec with mm-hmm. Leslie and Ben. Um, so uh, people who are secure trust their partner. They give their partner the benefit of the doubt. Um, they are not scared of emotional intimacy and they're not scared of feedback. Mm. They're really good at communication in that way. And so that's kind of what it looks like. I guess another example would be like a uh, owner and pet relationship. This sounds a little weird, but yes, like I love this. you come home from a long day at work and your puppy has completely destroyed your living room. Now, when you see your puppy, maybe you're like a little mad, but then you give the puppy the benefit of the doubt of, okay, he didn't do this to try to destroy my day and ruin my life. Yeah. He did this because he's a puppy, you know? So it's like the same thing with your partner. Like my partner didn't do the dishes like I wanted him to. Okay. Well, his motivation probably was not to ruin my day and really make me upset. Like maybe something came up or he just forgot. And so it's, I guess, not looking for reasons to like flip our lid right or like um looking for any sign of rejection right it's just allowing our partner to be a safe place for us yeah it's the we would say looking for proof like i'm always looking to prove myself right that i'm not enough or i'm not worthy i'm not all the things yeah so we see that in parks and rec with this relationship between leslie and ben like they enjoy being around each other and maybe throughout the show it's interesting because you can kind of see maybe some anxious or avoidant tendencies um, maybe as they're moving through their relationship but ultimately like they communicate about them they figure it out and they move towards security together and that's the thing to understand about a secure relationship is there may always be those tendencies but it's the ability to recognize oh, I am being very avoidant right now. Mm-hmm. So I've got to have an emotional check-in with my partner and figure this out. Or you're in the dating phase and you're like, oh, I am starting to self-sabotage. I need to take a step back and figure oh. out what's going on with myself. I love it. I, <laughs> I had legit told someone that exact same thing. <laughs> recently I was like I'm just gonna be honest I'm feeling super avoidant I want to run like Mm -hmm. I can feel it pop up but recognizing it so quickly is awesome yes not really like your only hope for changing it right (laughs) is to like be like oh and and not wait like six months into the relationship where you've totally degraded it and made it you know what I mean but like to be watching for these things and be like okay I'm having an avoidant day I wonder what's going on why am I feeling unsafe in this relationship you know rather than waiting I mean and honestly with our clients some of them wait like 10 15 20 30 years to start addressing this you know and that by then it's like what relationship like there's not much left you know so Mm -hmm. it's nice to realize this stuff just be self-aware as you go along yeah so is, does that make sense for secure? Pretty good yes. basis of like overshooting. Can, like can I ask a question? Yeah. Okay. So if like physically what I, what I would imagine a secure relationship is one of my friends, her and her husband go skating, roller skating with us and they do their own thing. They go and um, she's skating alone. He's skating alone. Then they skate together and they mm-hmm. do their thing. And then I see him helping someone and she's over here hanging out with us. There's no part of them. That's like, what are they doing? Why aren't they with me? They seem very secure in just their actions. 
Yes. Yeah. So uh, like with, with young children, what you'll see is their parent leaves them and that child can, is sad, but can regulate on their own. And then they're happy when the parent comes back. And that's that ability to come and go. And you feel so safe that you are safe to come and go as yeah. you please, you know, yes. where it's like, oh, I trust that this person is going to be here because of course they're going to be here. They are my partner. You know, it's just like a duh, like duh, he's going to be there. I don't even need to worry about it, you know, kind of a thing. Yes. Okay. Good. All right. Anxious. So Jessica gave really good examples of this, but a TV example would be Michael Scott oh. from The Office. <laughs> yes. He's a good one. <laughs> he needs so many friends. Yes. And that's and okay. Tell him he's awesome all the time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, he he really does need constant validation, constant. And I there are a few times when he gets a little bit like let's talk about the burning of the foot when he <laughs> burns his foot on the George Foreman grill. His uh, his the way he is getting his needs met is classic anxious. Like I am dying. I can't do anything, <laughs> and I need all of you to pay attention to me. Right. I I feel like when when this is going to be bad, but when a man cold comes, do they go into anxious? Oh is that gosh, what's happening? Literally, the drama definitely comes. It amps up. We have that at our house, I know. So, like, <laughs> like seriously, you had to get sick. Ugh. Yeah, it, it, like, and Michael Scott's a bit of an extreme example, right? Yes. Like, people may be listening to this and being like, I don't not that do that. <laughs> but if you notice that you are just on high alert at any sign of rejection. So an example could be in your dating life. Like if you are looking for any sign that they might be rejecting you. And so you just go to them and kind of create some drama even if it seems pretty small to get their validation, like that's what it can look like. Um, it's just that self-protection that Jessica talked about can kind of push people away because it can be overwhelming and um, needy or clingy, you know, those words that have a pretty bad rap. Um, that's what it can look like, what it can feel like. Okay. So I have a question because I have plenty of people in my life who are trying to work their way away from anxious to mm -hmm. secure, but when they find themselves in that cycle and they are seeking that validation from their partner, their partner is frustrated and it almost amps it up. So is there a phrase, like, what would you suggest to your client? <laughs> what would we call that? And the anxious avoided trap is what that really yes. is. Where it's like my anxiety, I'm like, woo, having big reactions. And then that avoidant person is like, I can't deal with this really. And so then they, a lot of gaslighting happens and that anxious person feels more and more crazy. And that avoidant person is pushing away more and more. And it just becomes this really, really negative trap because it is, it's overwhelming for the partner of the anxious person to take care of them. And so they try and shut down the needs as much as they can so they don't have to deal with it. Mm. But it becomes such a toxic relationship on both ends. Like neither partner is getting what they need from it. Okay. So you're going to give us some phrases that can possibly help in a minute. Is that what, what you're saying? Yeah, we can. We'll circle okay. back to the anxious avoidant yeah. trap. Because Let's do that. It's a, <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so real quick, we'll talk about avoidant. Um, yes. An avoidant. Yes. Those were high fives. <laughs> yes. Um, Not really. <laughs> I mean, I could just talk about myself too. Like, I think it's interesting to note that um, your attachment style can change 
mm-hmm. not just when you're a child. So I had a secure relationship with my parents. My attachment style became insecure in my teenage years when I got into a relationship with someone who was avoidant and dated him off and on for years because he was avoidant, right? Like distancing, coming back, distancing, coming back. So I adopted a lot of those tendencies because that was like what I learned, like my first impression of what a romantic relationship was. So I just took on the tendencies. And so I just think that's an important thing to understand is like you may have some trauma happen where you were initially secure, but some trauma, relationship trauma happens and it shifts your style. So a TV avoidant that we can think about is Meredith Gray. She is like classic avoidant, just really good at avoiding things. And you can see like, I mean, it's a TV show, so it's very unrealistic, but like trauma after trauma after trauma. Like if someone had really gone through (laughs) these things, um, I mean, they'd be a shell of a person, but you can see that she copes with it by just completely shutting off all emotion and keeping people at a distance. And um, that's what avoidance do. It's like at some level they crave intimacy, but they're also so terrified of it that they push it away. So they come to you to connect, but it's like on their timeline, right? Uh-huh. I want to connect but like for five minutes and then I'm just not going to text you back for a couple days. And then, oh, I want to connect again. And then I'm going to retreat. So they're also scared of rejection. They just handle it differently than the anxious who is like dragging it out of you, right? They are kind of taking on that power role of mm-hmm. like a passive aggressive it almost feels like yeah like well, it's like I could yeah I could take it or leave it at any time I don't need this relationship but like I will I will have this relationship like you're so Which, lucky to have me like you it, you don't want that to come off that way but oh my gosh yes I was yeah, that's how it comes off exuding that in mm-hmm. my past but hearing you talk like this KJ I'm actually like patting myself on the back because I I do see so many shifts. I mean, I've been working on it for years, but even for me, as I step into a new arena to when I'm terrified, I just speak my shame. I work through it and, and then I lean in and it is scary, but I'm trying to show up different. Mm -hmm. Well, Ashlyn, that's a perfect, like you just summarized how you heal an avoidant attachment style. Like it's so easy, recognizing (laughs) it. And then repeatedly, like just intervening in your insecure cycle and doing it the way a secure person would. I think like, yeah, the avoidant, it really is just learning Mm -hmm. that vulnerability is not weakness and reminding yourself of that over and over and over again. I can attach to this person and that doesn't make me weak because I need that attachment. You know, you have to relearn. So your system is like, Oh, attachment can be a safe place for me and that it's okay if I desire it and need it. It's okay. But that avoidant is like, I don't need it though. I can be fine on my own. Oh yeah. I got this. You have to do that. Yeah. You just have to be like, lean into that vulnerability for sure. Yes. Um, It just made me think about like, so I was pretty avoidant in dating. There's a lot of avoidance in the dating pool. Mm-hmm. Why are they? They're single. You know, they're <laughs> yeah, in there swimming through. around yep. for so long. Um, and then I met my husband who was secure, but I was having a lot of avoidant tendencies, which really almost sabotaged our relationship. But at that point, I'd been to therapy and I'd learned about this stuff, been through grad school. And I was like, oh, duh, I'm being avoidant. And I actually really like this guy. So I need to cut my crap and just like get it together a little bit and like give and not just take. Mm -hmm. And so that worked. Obviously we got married (laughs) and then he was deployed, which is like an avoidance dream, Dream. (laughs) right? Like you can connect when you want and he was overseas. So like we couldn't talk all the time. We couldn't talk 
or every day even sometimes. And so it was like, I can just retreat and then mm-hmm. connect and then retreat. Um, but I identified that that was going on like a couple months in and really work to be like, no, like this is not sustainable, sustainable if I want to have a healthy and secure relationship long-term. And so that that's what it is. It's like calling yourself out and thinking about what do I really want? Like, does this person really matter to me? Yes. Like I want to be healthy and not just do they matter, but do I matter to me? Do I want to create a life that I don't want to escape from relationships? I don't want to escape from that are just sucking me dry. You know, like I want to enjoy my relationships in my life. So it was worth it to dig in and do more work more work (laughs) it's good work yeah it's ongoing and it really is because I love that you're like it was my dream because I as I've worked my I'm going to talk about me again uh this new season of life yeah I I've been really good at being independent in my marriage and tried really hard to come into interdependence and just kind of swing into okay I need people and I also need my space and all these things right um but each new season that we fall into a new arena of like, oh, there's another layer that I didn't yeah. work on that I thought the I onion, worked on. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so feeling and really enjoying my alone time is fantastic. I love that I feel safe and comfortable with my own thoughts and I'm mm-hmm. safe and happy here, but I have to be careful. You because can't stay there all the time. Yeah. I still need to connect just like you said, and I'm not in a relationship, um, but I don't want to get into a place where I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't need anybody. But that's where like you still practice those secure skills with the other relationships in your life, right? Where you're like, oh, I still, I don't have a partner that I'm being vulnerable with, but I do have a best friend that I'm being vulnerable with. For sure. It's every day, Marco Polo. Yeah, Yeah. we do love Marco Polo. It's the best. I believe in it for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So should we circle to the anxious avoidant trap? Uh, Let's do it. I mean, I lived it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a TV example would be Kelly and Ryan from The Office. So toxic. (laughs) It's 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 like the Heisman. Yes. Yeah. We would always say like the Heisman pose of like, I want you, but like, get away from me. Push pull, push pull all day long. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, Kelly's anxious, Ryan's avoidant. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, the push pull, it's like that. Well, Taylor's not here, but I will use kind of how she has described it on our podcast because I think it's so good. Mm -hmm. It's like the avoidant partner is building a wall. Mm. and the anxious partner is climbing oh, up that wall, wall brick by brick yeah, so one partner's never. trying to keep them out yes. and the anxious is climbing it's like up. i'm still coming yeah yep. and so it can become toxic fast so when people are in this trap uh they're like what do we do <laughs> right mm-hmm. um so the first step is naming it, naming your insecure style and recognizing, okay, I'm anxious and getting to know yourself in that way of like, when am I showing up as anxious? Mm -hmm. And then hopefully like if there aren't like tons of red flags in your relationship and you feel like you can both move towards secure together, which takes work and time and effort and both of you wanting that mm-hmm. then like understanding when your partner is showing their avoidant tendencies or anxious tendencies and kind of coming together to communicate about those so really it comes down to communication and how you go about that and if you need extra help going to therapy is a this really good time to go to therapy if you're in the anxious avoidant trap. Yeah. So you said, you know, what are some things you can say 
I think you were talking about like as an anxious person. Well, so no, I'm actually talking as the avoidant because the anxious, I have my own experience as being the avoidant with an anxious partner, but Mm -hmm. most of the women I get to work with are in the same spot and uh, you know, they're in betrayal and healing from that. And so um, they're reversed. So they're anxious and they're like, please tell me we're okay. Please tell me you're in recovery. Mm -hmm. Please. Like I need this constant. Are we okay? Am I okay? Am I safe? And the partner gets really burned out and frustrated. Mm -hmm. And I, so I'm just curious if there's something that that uh, avoidant partner can stay more in that secure zone and see and recognize they're just feeling that insecurity and that tendency's popping out. Mm-hmm. What can they do? Yeah. Well, and Jessica, you can share too if you think something different, but I think what lays the foundation for this is talking about it outside of those behaviors happening, like outside yes. of that moment. Mm-hmm. So you guys coming together and saying, okay, I have anxious tendencies. This is what they look like. And this is what they're triggered by. Mm-hmm. And I'm avoidant and this is what triggers it. And so you kind of know, Mm. and then kind of lay the groundwork of, okay, when these tendencies are triggered, this is how we're going to talk about it. And that could look different for every couple. Um, But you could, like, if you're avoidant, you could say to your partner, if you're feeling those tendencies, you could say, you could just say it like, Hey, I'm feeling really avoidant right now. I think this is what triggered it. I'm just going to take some time to think about that, but let's have an emotional check-in later. And like for the anxious partner, like it's really important that you would name when the check-in will be, right? Like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm actually going to go, let's say like we've been spending a lot of time together. I'm starting to feel really triggered, whatever. I'm, I'm going to actually go have an afternoon with my friends decompress and then we're going to come back and talk about this tonight kind of a thing because that anxious is going to be like it's open-ended and it's very terrifying or setting like good boundaries around it I remember um one of my girls she would say I had to give the timeline because my anxious Mm -hmm. partner was like she's leaving me Mm -hmm. catastrophizing like if she drove off in a car he's like she just left me oh my gosh So she had to really be clear. And sometimes when we're in that, I mean, what we're talking about, we're arguing most of the time. We're not Mm -hmm. in like a, ha ha ha, we're mad. And so it's hard to remember, Hey, I just need to slow my roll and I need to show respect. This is someone I love. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'll be back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's why what KJ is saying is right. Is where you have to, I totally recommend weekly check-ins if you are anxious and avoidant like you have to be checking in regularly and Mm -hmm. being like here's what my boundaries are for this week here's how I'm feeling this is what I need you know like like, I would appreciate it if you would check in every morning that makes me feel better you know or whatever what does that look like like I've never heard anyone say that and it makes sense that you guys like we're specializing in attachment (laughs) so you have all these good tools but no one ever told us that. And that sounds awesome, mm-hmm. but I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. So what the way that I would, we have a, an episode on our podcast on emotional check-ins that Taylor does. And it's like in-depth, beautiful. You will get to everything you okay. ever needed to get to really. But it, the idea is that you come together in a very safe time where there's nothing that's triggered. It's just like, you know, you literally choose a time that is very calm, like a Sunday morning or something where you don't have anything going on. And then you check in with your emotions, their emotions, how things went that week and what you're hoping for the upcoming week. And you check in emotionally, physically, um, socially, you know, with all these different aspects of yourself and say like, how are we doing, you know, and you could check in, like, how are your triggers this week? What came up? then how do we want to address those next week? Cause this was really hard for me when you responded this way and they will get emotionally charged, but as you continue doing them, yeah, you will start to feel safe in them, you know, but the first couple of times it will be like, you bring something up and then the meeting has to be over because everyone's crying or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but over time it's like, okay, this is a safe place. I can say, I felt triggered when you did this and they can say, oh, I didn't realize that was a trigger for you. 
and you're just talking about it all of a sudden instead of experiencing this massive trigger that lasts mm-hmm. for a week, you know? Yes. Yeah. Oh man. I think this was great. Um, are there any last tips and tricks on, I mean, is there something they should be reading or doing if not therapy? <laughs> what can yeah. we do? Yes. Um, for the, the people live, they can see this, but for podcast listeners. So, um, the book attached the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love is kind of the Holy grail on attachment right now. It really is like the only the book only? on this right <laughs> now. Of, yeah. For like adult attachment. It yeah. is what it is. It's, it's by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller, and they do a really good job of so just good breaking down the different styles. I mean, they talk about like red flags to be looking for. They talk about the anxious avoidant trap. They talk about handling breakups. Like it's really good. And it, there's a quiz in the front where you can um, so good. identify your style, your attachment style. Um, so yeah, I would recommend reading that and listening to podcasts you find about it. You can listen to our podcast mm-hmm. about it. Um, yeah, yours, you guys have a series where you break it down a little bit longer. So if you feel yeah. like I still don't quite understand, I don't have time to read the book, go and yeah. listen to their series. I think I need to probably reread, uh, because I haven't read it in years attached. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a good one. And I remember well, my best friend that I just went to France with, she's like, have you read this book called attached? I read it because I was having problems with my relationships in general, like friendships. And so it's not even like you're not in a relationship. You don't want to date. like, it's just everything work, whatever. Um, so yes, it is one of those books that I would say if we all read and we all understood and we are all working towards secure attachment, so much easier, right? We'd all have a happier relationship. Like, and that's the thing. It's like the lifeblood. You are always interacting with other people, but if you can have a healthy interactions that make you feel happy and feel good and safe, your life is so much more livable. It's just like, that's what life is about is working Mm -hmm. towards that. You don't have to be stuck in this anxious attachment of like, I'm constantly needing drama to meet my needs. Like things can shift and there's a better way to do it that will make you happier, you know? Yeah. Agreed. And I just want to make note. Um, this was a topic I, we wanted on the podcast, the betrayed, the addicted and the expert for years, and we just never did one. And yet it was a giant part of our recovery. And so I don't know how we left it out because (laughs) I mean, it's like for so many, this is one of the major problems is Mm -hmm. just not understanding the roots. So I'm glad we have it here now. <laughs> Thank you, yes. ladies. <laughs> always yeah. refer back to it. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to ask you both one question. It's something I ask all my guests and I want to know, let's have KJ, you go first. What is your most recent be the Buffalo experience? Oh, I think for me, I would have to say like showing up for my clients today. Mm-hmm. Like it was, I only work in an office for four hours a week and sometimes it can feel a little bit out of my comfort zone because I used to do therapy like 40 hours a week and it was like not a big deal. Um, I just got really used to it, but now it's like a little bit of that insecurity of like, I don't do this full time. Like, am I going to be what they need me to be today? And, um, I feel like sometimes as a therapist, I just have to be like, you know what? I really messed that up. (laughs) Like, can you forgive me? Like, let's just redo that Um, and just kind of admit that I don't have the answers and I always don't know what I'm doing, you know? And so I sound like a great therapist if you can do that. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's like having my own vulnerability with my clients. And that I think is being the Buffalo because it can be hard to be like, yeah, I'm a professional. I have a degree, but sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. So yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Okay. Jessica. Um, so mine is like a true, like 
you know, like, I'm not just like, there, there is stuff happening in my life right now. <laughs> There's big stuff. Big stuff. So, yeah. So, um, I just gave birth last week on oh a gosh. week ago. <laughs> and you um, scheduled this podcast just so everyone I, knows. I know, Not right? Me. I did. Yes. And I am <laughs> fine. And the reason I am fine is because, so I found out at 12 weeks pregnant, um, that I was pregnant with what are called mono mono twins, which means they share a placenta and they share an amniotic sac. And so, um, they basically, there's a huge risk that they tangle up their cords and guess what? My girls really tangled up their cords. So when they were born, um, they had huge knots. They had like five knots that were their cords. Wow. They're busy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I've actually was in the hospital for two months, 10 weeks, exactly. Actually. So two and a half months. Um, and my daughters are right now in the NICU. So my be the Buffalo is I have had to fully address living apart from my family for two and a half months a NICU stay premature twins the fact that I'm having twins, like I've had to just like fully a hundred percent face this because there is no other option. That's literally all I can do. So I have, um, since giving birth, I have cried so much, um, because it's like hormones, but then, but every time that I have, I've just like, I literally have been like, just let it go. Like you're going through something hard. And I really am like talking to myself, like, it's okay to be sad that your children are separate from you in the NICU and be happy that you're coming home to your other daughter because you've been apart from her for two and a half months, you know? And so I've just really fully gone into the storm and been like, I am a NICU mom. I am a twin mom. This is my life now. And I don't know how to navigate it, but we are doing the best we can. So yeah, a lot of tears, a lot of like honest conversations with me and my husband of like, this is, hard life but it will get better but also it's really hard right now yeah so yeah we are just fully running into the storm and it is the wildest storm that I never ever ever thought I would be running into yeah (laughs) but here we go you know it's great and you have a smile on your face can you believe it and she showed up to do the podcast I know I know if I didn't have cute babies and whatnot you know they make it so I mean they do make it worth it I'm like yeah of course you guys are worth it but also please eat your bottles so we can get out of the NICU please yeah I don't want to be here forever oh man okay well your buffalo moments remind me of a song that I was listening today that I'm in love with it's a new imagine dragon song called it's Mm -hmm. okay and so go look it up um it's okay by imagine dragons I just I love their whole new album. I just bought tickets to a concert to go see. Oh, so I love them. What is a concert? I haven't been in so long. Yeah, what is that? So hey, exciting! It's not till March, so you might be able to go by then. Oh, my oh. gosh! No, seriously, <laughs> I I plan on being fully back to my normal self by then. They, well, there you go. Make goals. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> so fun. All right, you ladies are great. Thank you so much for helping. Um, me and the audience understand a little bit more, whether they're parenting, dating, mm-hmm. in a relationship, whatever with yeah. themselves <laughs> to understand this a little bit better. So thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Ashlyn. Of course. Thank you, Ashlyn, so much for having us. Thanks for being here with me today, whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the Buffalo.